Whose ghost did Winston Churchill see during a visit to the White House? Ooh, ooh, ooh. And what color is in almost every scene of the classic horror movie, The Shining? Oh, I bet I know the answer to that. Yeah? <laughs> Answers to those and other questions coming up next here on The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, (laughs) take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Okay, Marcia, it's Halloween time, Uh and so we have a question based on that kind of thing. Whose ghost did Winston Churchill say he saw during his visit to the White House? One of his visits to the White House. I know this. Oh, you do? Okay. I know. All right. <laughs> Who did he see? Uh, I'll give you choices here. George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, Abraham Lincoln, or that great traitor who defected to the English, Benedict Arnold. It was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. He encountered uh, Lincoln in the Lincoln bedroom, which is the most haunted room in the White House. Oh, I didn't know that. And he just stepped out of his bath and, as he said, was wearing nothing but a cigar. <laughs> when he saw Lincoln by the fireplace. And he said, according to him, Good morning, Mr. President. Uh, You seem to have me at a disadvantage. (laughs) So you you had the same question. Uh Uh Oh, no kidding. So you have a lot more information than I have. Yeah. I just had that uh, he saw him lurking in the halls, but he actually saw him in the Lincoln Room. In the Lincoln Room, too, yeah. And this is before they renovated the White House. Basically, during the Harry Truman years, they tore all the inside of the White House out and rebuilt Uh it. Yeah. So this was the original house that was in there. Wow. Well, wait. Churchill couldn't have been there in the original house. Yeah, because he was in there during Roosevelt's administration. Okay. You have information on other ghosts in the White House? I do, Bob. Okay. Okay. Uh, Abigail Adams, the first First Lady to reside there. Hmm. Uh, And according to some people, she still does. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, because the newly completed East Room was the warmest and driest in the building, Abigail used to hang her wash there. Right. Can you imagine today's first lady hanging wash in the White House? So she did her wash there, and many people have reported seeing her in or near the East Room in the two centuries since then. Wow. And she's often walking with her arms outstretched as though still carrying laundry. Hmm. I didn't know that. Now, First Lady Dolly Madison apparently haunts the Rose Garden. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes, I knew that was the case. And did you know the story about the two landscapers? No. Okay, two landscapers were tasked 100 years later with moving the famous garden. Oh, they were supposed to move it? Yeah, but apparently they encountered Dolly's angry ghost and abandoned their plans. (laughs) And it remains in the same spot today. Wow. Harry Truman, one night when uh, wife was away, heard knocks on the door, people in the hall, all sorts of weird things. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and he wrote to his wife and said, quote, the damn place is haunted, sure is shooting. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other names of other people? Yes. Okay. Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln lost sons while living in the White House, and Mary said she was frequently visited by her sons who stood at the end of her bed at night and uh, talked to her. gosh. And the most famous ghost is Abe, who not only haunts the bedroom, but he walks the hallways and uh, raps on doors and stands by windows. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and they say, and often he 
appears more when the country is in turmoil. Okay, well, he could help, I think. Of anybody, I, I my would goodness. Hope so. What a wonderful man. I have two other names of people who oh, supposedly okay. are seen in the White House. Okay. Uh, Andrew Jackson is frequently seen laughing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Thomas Jefferson playing the violin in the Oval Room. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you know how many, what percentage of Americans believe in ghosts? 46% of okay. Americans believe in ghosts. But, you know, we're talking about Harry Truman, Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill. Yeah. These are people. People with credibility. That's right. Saying not, they've not, seen ghosts. Not just you and me. <laughs> All right. Those are some good ghost uh, and uh, haunted uh, questions. It's so funny. So we overlapped uh, uh, totally different sources, but the same. It's a good question about ghosts. It ghost is. sightings. And we have friends who have. <sighs> Equipment, and they go do paranormal yes. sightings yeah. and, yes. uh, of ghosts. Right? Yes. All right, Bob. What color? is in almost every scene of The Shining. I'll bet it's red. I'll bet it's red for blood. Mm-hmm. What is it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay. This 1980 Stanley Kubrick horror classic mm. has the color red in almost every scene. Some of the appearances are obvious, like that famous scene of blood pouring out of the elevator. (laughs) Did you ever make it through that film? No, I never did. I didn't think so. The red-walled men's room where Jack Nicholson freshens up. But many are quite subtle, like the darts that young Danny Lloyd plays with are red, the book placed on the table in the opening scene is red, and the dress that Wendy, Shelley Duvall, wears is red. (laughs) No, that was just too creepy for me. Some of those movies, they get I could just tell, they just start getting yeah. creepy, and then I get out of them. Yeah. According to one analysis, the inclusion of the scarlet hue is meant to be a visual nod to Jack's deteriorating mental condition as the Overlook Hotel takes hold of him. Okay, now I have a question on that same movie. So what haunted hotel inspired The Shining? The Plaza in New York City, the Biltmore in North Carolina, the Stanley Hotel in Colorado, or the Old Faithful Inn at Yellowstone National Park. I'll say the Stanley. That's it. Yeah, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. He stayed there. Who, he? Kubrick? uh, No, Stephen King. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right, of course. So he was inspired to write uh, the 1977 horror novel, The Shining, from there. So it's a 113-year-old hotel. They have a history of ghost sightings. Ah. And they offer spirited night tours to catch a glimpse of their alleged paranormal guests. Oh, fun. All right, Bob. According to the FAA, approximately how much in loose change is left behind on airplanes each year? Give me a ballpark. Loose change. Yeah. Oh, and this doesn't even count the luggage or anything. This is loose no, just change. On the on the actual airplane. Okay. Okay. Uh, give me a moment here. Yeah, Thinking nope. of how many planes there are, how many flights That's there right. are, how much That's loose right. change there might be. Let's say three hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Amusing, Bob. Not enough. Oh, you're so close though. Okay. Fifty-eight million. <gasps> You're kidding! <laughs> Fifty-eight million is left on planes in yeah. petty petty cash. Yes. Oh my God. Uh huh. And it makes sense when you remember how many people are often in the air at any given time. In an average year, the Federal Aviation Administration handles more than sixteen million flights. Fifty-eight million dollars. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, I couldn't fathom that myself. Okay, I have a question on haunted catacombs, okay? Haunted catacombs lie beneath which of these European cities? Oslo, Paris, Milan, or Barcelona? Uh, 
Paris. Paris. How many people do they think are down there in the catacombs? How many skeletons? Thousands. More than that. Millions? Located 65 feet below Paris is a mass grave containing about 6 million skeletons. Oh, my God. Well, they were moved there from overcrowded cemeteries during the 18th oh. century, and today the catacombs span nearly 200 miles. 200 miles Underground, yeah. Only a portion, a small portion, are available for public tours, but visitors have reported eerie happenings and disturbing uh, noises. Noises. <laughs> noises. Or noses. And disturbing noises. And look at that nose. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Bob. Who does Elton John name his pianos after? He names his pianos? Yes. He calls them Freddy? <laughs> You, know, you name your microphones, Elton names his <laughs> I don't name my microphones. <laughs> You're very close. You're very close. You talk to them. <laughs> uh, they feel my breath. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know that uh, I know the answers to this. Does he name his pianos after songs? No, that would be a good guess. He names them after famous female singers and musicians. Huh. John has christened pianos after Nina Simone, Diana Krall, Aretha Franklin, American jazz singer Blossom Deary. And Trinidadian pianist Winifred Atwell. Wow. He names his pianos after these people. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to tell me he named them after his cats or something. Oh. <laughs> this is better. Yeah. This is better. <laughs> Good. Okay, Marcia. You know, uh, every coin has a state on it these days, or there is a whole series of coins with the states on them. Correct. What state features a car on its state quarter? Is it Michigan? I was going to give you some choices. Okay. California, Michigan, <laughs> Massachusetts, or Indiana? Michigan. Michigan. That makes sense. That would be it's the logical it, choice. It? No, no, it's not. What is it? Okay, which of the other states? California, Massachusetts, or Indiana? Indiana. Why? Because it's near Michigan. <laughs> I don't See, know. See, now the answer to this makes the most sense, and we wouldn't think of it. Car. Because of the Indianapolis 500. Oh, yeah. Okay. So even though the automobile started in Massachusetts in this country with the Duryea brothers and, of course, found its wheels in Detroit with Ford, GM, and Chrysler, you won't find a car on the flip side of those two states' quarters. But you will on Indiana State Quarter, which features a race car imposed on an outline of the state plus 19 stars celebrating Indiana as the 19th state to enter the Union. So... It's perfect sense. The Indianapolis 500, the global racing event that's been uh, going on for more than 110 years. Has it really? Yeah, since uh, 1911. And cars that only been around a few years. And the first thing they did was race them, which makes sense, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, cars were around in the 1890s, so. Okay, before we go to break, Bob, what's considered the most haunted house in America? I think it's that one out in California that the oh. Winchester family, wasn't it the Winchester oh, yeah. uh, heir? She yeah. kept building on the house. And yeah, the, that certainly is one of them, but apparently this one is. So that's not the right answer. Well, not in this uh, group of Not in your facts. universe. Not in mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the answer? Uh, well, what, do you what, Give me a clue. We just talked about it. What? Use your use your memory bank. Not the Stanley uh, Hotel out no, in Colorado. The, your short-term memory. It's the White House. It's oh, really? Yeah, it's considered one of the most famous haunted houses in America. All right. Well, <laughs> what what Civil War battlefield is said to be the most haunted? Oh, oh, it's got to be that one. I haven't been there. I think you have, or you want to be there. Um, it's the one. Uh, Let me give you choices here. Oh yes, dear. Fort Sumter, Manassas, Gettysburg, or Harper's Ferry. 
It's not Gettysburg. It is, is it? Gettysburg. It is, of course it is Gettysburg. <laughs> and yes, I have been there. And one of my ancestors was shot there. So yeah. yes, I'm shot familiar dead? with the place. No, huh. no, he survived. Ah. Civil War battlefields, they all have their share of ghost stories. But Gettysburg is regarded as the most haunted in America. Yeah. It well, was how, the, how, one of the bloodiest battles of the war. And many ghosts have been captured on camera there, including the likeness of Robert E. Lee. Really? Do they just float around there? Or what do they do? They say they hear cries for wounded yeah, soldiers. Would, they yeah. see lifelike shadows lurking and oh, um, maybe geez. some images once in a while. Oh, I don't really care to go there. You well, want to go again, don't I, you? We don't have to go there at night, Mark. We could go there during the, the morning. That okay. would be better, with right? With coffee? Okay. okay, with coffee. All right, let's take a break. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And a Danish. Uh, and and Marsha. And a Danish Marsha <laughs> Smith. You have you do have Danish blood, don't you? Coffee and a Danish. Okay, yeah. I meant sweet roll. Oh, well, you're the sweet roll. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, or or is it? Okay, Break. Oh, we'll be back in just a moment. Oh. We're back after discussing breakfast rolls, and I don't know if that was the <laughs> sweetest thing to say about Marsha, but she is a sweet. Coffee and bakery at the uh, Gettysburg. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In what southern city will you find the allegedly haunted Forsyth Park? Now, this is a place we've visited. It's been famous as a setting for a famous novel. What famous city do you find the allegedly haunted? Savannah. That's it, Savannah, Georgia. I was going to give you choices, but apparently you don't need those. (laughs) Okay, yeah, built in the 1840s, it's known for its famous fountain and a popular starting point for many southern tours of Savannah. Haunted inns and former hospitals surround the park, lending an eerie air. Forsyth Park in Savannah. Okay. All right, Bob. Who was Truman Capote's first choice to play Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's? His first choice? Yeah. His first choice. Wouldn't be Marilyn Monroe, was it? It was. Oh, okay. How, why did you say that? Well, that she was an actress about that time, and I could see him. He liked people like that, and I could see her being that, that choice for that uh, role. They were good buddies. Who knew? Oh, no kidding. Truman and Marilyn Monroe. She had a thing for older, very smart men, as she told uh, Shelley Winters once. She wanted to go to bed with Albert Einstein. Oh, But my. anyway. Yeah. So Marilyn Monroe, he chose her to play Holly Golightly, and a lot of her backstory, Holly's, uh, mimicked Monroe's own troubled background. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was interesting. But Paula Strasberg, her uh, drama coach, said there's no way she will play that girl. Marilyn Monroe will not play a call girl, a lady of the evening. See, I never thought of that. Holly Golightly is a lady of the evening. How stupid was I? maybe we were too young when we saw that. Yeah, that could be. It never occurred to me she was. But if it was very subtle, I know she was dating occasionally, but I didn't understand the big <laughs> giving it all up or why she was crying. She was a... she was A, a sweet girl. She, yeah, well, she was the original pretty woman, wasn't she? Yes, yes. yes. So, yeah, so, but she didn't get the part, and uh, God knows uh, it made a, a big splash for Hepburn. Hepburn? Audrey. Audrey, good. Yeah, yeah not, not Catherine. No. Okay. <laughs> I've got more uh, ghost stuff here. And I want to give credit here. A lot of my material today comes from a website called TravelQuiz.com. A lot of great stuff there. Okay, so this place is known for its ghosts. Where is it? It's the Eastern State Penitentiary. What is it and where is it? Where is the Eastern State Penitentiary? New York City, Philadelphia, Atlanta, or San Francisco? But San Francisco isn't Eastern. Oh, it's kind of a giveaway, isn't it? It's not that one. All right, what about the... (laughs) Boy, boy, are you a little 
nerd sometimes. Okay, New York City, Philadelphia, or Atlanta. What about those three? Philadelphia. You're right. It's interesting. It is the original modern penitentiary, but it's in ruins today. In fact, its website says, It stands in ruin, a haunted world of crumbling cell blocks and empty guard towers. And it's only five blocks from Philadelphia Museum of Art. That's oh, really? The, where Rocky stood up there and yeah, did his yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only five blocks away, but it held Al Capone, Scarface, uh, Slick Willie, and a number of other people. But it was the world's first true penitentiary, a prison designed to inspire penitence oh. or true regret. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the idea. Connection. In the hearts wow. of prisoners. Oh, no, it just made him more angry. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, supposedly very haunted, and there are nightly ghost tours. Philadelphia has a lot of interesting backstories, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The Revolution and everything else yeah. there, too. Yeah, I've never Benjamin been there. Benjamin Franklin. Oh, we'll have to take you there sometime. Well, feel free. Okay, here's... Let's go now. Here's let's just, the, just drop this and let's get going. Here's interesting. Here's, uh, here's right. some... You want to do the show. Here's some interesting <laughs> synchronicities okay. from my strange but true file. Oh. Didn't know I had one, did you? No, I didn't. I don't. I oh, just okay. James Springer and James Lewis were identical twins who went their separate ways as infants through adoption. Yet they went on to live eerily similar lives Ooh. before reuniting again at age 39. Each grew up with a brother named Larry. They each had a pet dog named Toy, went into law enforcement, and named his firstborn son James Allen. They did the same thing? Yeah, with slightly different spellings, but they both named their son James oh, Allen. So now, are these were twins? Identical. And oh. given up for adoption. Wow, okay. And even if you chalk up some of those matches to genetic disposition, it doesn't quite explain how each twin somehow married a woman named Linda before following with a second wife named Betty. Huh, good <laughs> Lord. Or how both settled on the same vacation spot at a small beach in St. Petersburg, Florida, more than 1,000 miles away from where they were separately reared in Ohio. Separately reared in the same state, and then they spent St. That's yeah. so many things Isn't there. that bizarre? That is amazing. Yeah. Well, I've heard that about, you know, twins. They always communicate and seem to do the same yeah, things. But, but wives, their first and second wives with the same name. <laughs> is that because one of them got divorced? I guess it's time to get divorced now. Yeah, well, I don't, Linda's like, yeah. what are you talking about? No, I met yeah. a woman named Betty. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a girlfriend. Well, I'll find one. <laughs> That seems to be the name I need. I just, and then they named their dog <laughs> Toy. I mean, that's not a, what the hell? That makes no sense. Well, uh, this is the kind of thing that, that you put it into a movie and they go, nah, nah nobody believed that. That's not going to happen. No. James Springer and James Lewis. Wow. Okay. All right, Marsha. A haunted house in what country hosted a 1976 meeting of world leaders? Was it, uh, um, uh, were we there? No. Oh, okay. Then that's not it. Uh, remember... A haunted house in what country hosted okay. a 1976 okay. meeting Was it in world... Transylvania? No. No. It was, no. <laughs> I don't know where. Iceland. Oh. Yeah, in 1986, Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev met at Iceland's most notorious haunted house, the Hofti House, built in 1909. They met there to discuss a possible resolution to the Cold War, but the site is also known for its ghostly tales and strange yeah. sounds heard at night. It's said that a former resident of the house who poisoned herself still haunts the halls. Oh, do Ronald Reagan meeting. Well, I, I heard a lot of things last night, you know, <laughs> knocking on the walls. <laughs> Gorby, I thought it was you. You wanted to talk. <laughs> Open the door. Nobody was there. <laughs> Gorbachev and Reagan were... Not even Nancy was there. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's kind of scary, isn't it, yeah. Ronnie? Yeah. He and he and Gorbachev uh, were pretty good friends and respected each other. They hit it off after the first uh, couple of cold yeah. visits. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of cold visits. Yeah. There. That really was an amazing uh, relationship. Yep. Okay, Bob. Who? Who had the very first website in the world? Who had the very first website uh-huh. in the world? Uh-huh. <clears throat> well, now I thought that would have been, I'm thinking of Mark Andreessen because he came up with Netscape when he was working at the University of Illinois, and then he you know, built that mosaic was the name of it. You can name the person, which would be hard, or the organization. The organization was Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> no, I don't know who it was. Uh, yeah, I found this pretty interesting. It was the European Organization for Nuclear Research, known as CERN. Okay, I knew CERN was Tim Brenner's. Is a, The guy who... Tim Berners-Lee, that was his name. Boy, you are awesome. How do you remember that? Berners-Lee. Yes, and CERN is now known for the super collider, right? Right. And that's what they're known for. But much like in 1969, that's when the first internet connection was established between Stanford University and UCLA. And it was created for sharing information between yeah. scientists working in universities and institutes around the world, which makes great sense. And as a computer scientist at CERN, Berners-Lee, I can't believe you knew who that was, submitted an early proposal for information management, outlining what would eventually become the World Wide Web. I knew that. I knew he was very early involved in the World Wide Web. He was the first. It took him two years, but he released the first website August 6, 1991. 1991. That was the first website in the world. So the first connection between universities was 69. Between Stanford yes, and yeah, and UCLA, but it uh, took that long, sixty nine to ninety, uh, before somebody came up with the idea for a website. Wow! And less than two years later, this is cool. CERN released the software into the public domain, and the World Wide Web took off. So they just gave it away. And in 2013, CERN launched a program dedicated to preserving the world's first website, and you can find it at info.cern. Have you ever heard of the Wayback Machine? I've heard of it, but I forget what it is. Well, that was a term that was used in uh, Bullwinkle and Rocky. It was a Wayback Machine. Remember that? (laughs) Yeah. He got in the Wayback Machine and it was a time travel. But the Wayback Machine is the name the Internet Archive uses. That's an organization in San Francisco. They've gone out and they try to capture every website in the world and take a picture of that site. And I found websites I built out there for Rockwell and Alan Bradley. That, so it's kind of neat. You get to go out and see portions really? of your sites that you built oh. way back in the, these were in the mid-90s. How many websites do you think there are now? Oh, my. Millions. Let's say 500 million sites. How about two billion? Two billion websites. And it's estimated projections that in 2050... The websites will number 37 petabytes. Jeez. You know what a petabyte is? It is a huge amount of data. It's a, it's a massive unit of data equal to 1 million gigabytes. That's a few more than I have. I guess <laughs> you're, my fi- You're closing in on it, though. I was thinking of the 500 million number. I think that's how many podcasts there are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of podcasts Yes, out there. but okay, so in that short time, 1991 to 2022, went from 1 to 2 billion. It went from one website to two billion websites. Yeah. (laughs) Just amazing. Yep. Okay. I think I have one more haunted question here. Okay. This is a famous landmark in China, and I never thought of it being haunted before. So I'm going to give you these 
names. Which one? Which famous Chinese landmark is haunted by the ghost of a woman in white? Uh-huh. The Summer Palace, uh-huh. the Shanghai Tower, uh-huh. the Forbidden City, or the Yu Garden? I will say the Forbidden City. It is. Yeah, the Forbidden City, which nobody could go into for so many yeah. years, you know. Yeah. It's a tourist attraction now. Built in the 15th century as the Royal Palace, a Royal Palace, starting in the 1940s, guards reported seeing the ghost of a woman dressed in white weeping around the grounds of the palace complex oh, at night. Really? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we got to send Bojo there with their machine. <laughs> okay, what is the most populated city in the world? The most populated city in, in the, the world. world. In the world. Well, now that keeps changing. It was Mexico City at no, one point. No, there's nothing close to this. This is probably in China. No. No? Going to give me any choices? No. Oh, well, great. <laughs> Thanks for all your help. Well, how- all right, what's the answer, Marsh? Tokyo. Tokyo is the yeah. world's largest now. Yes. Its metro area is estimated to be an astounding 37.7 million people. God, and that's just one city on that island. Yeah. That's it's, amazing. Its population is almost equivalent to the total sum of the 25 most populated cities in the U.S., which adds up to 37.8 million. Yeah, ours are pretty small these days. Okay, and one other question, totally unrelated to all the rest. Okay. This artist painted one of the most famous posters in the United States history and used himself as the model. What was the poster? One of the most famous posters in U.S. history. Oh, it would be, was that Andy Warhol? Earlier in that century. Um, Earlier in the 20th century. Okay, 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 okay. I don't know. Oh, my God. It took <laughs> so long. The Uncle Sam I Want oh, You poster. okay. It was a recruitment poster for the U.S. Army for, uh-huh. for World War One, and 40-year-old New York illustrator James Montgomery Flagg used his own face as a model for the <laughs> stern face of Uncle Sam. And the Army distributed 4 million copies of the poster in its first year, 1917. Huh. Very interesting. And just, I have a little factoid. Did you know a misheard song lyric has a name? Did you know that? No. It's called Mondegreen. That's the name for misheard song lyrics? Right. If you've confused taking care of business with making carrot biscuits. I <laughs> <laughs> never heard of that one. Or Benny and the Jets with Betty in a dress. You've been tricked by a Mondegreen. As Miriam Webster explains, this phenomenon occurs when a word or phrase results from mishearing of something said or sung. My favorite of those, and I saw it first in a dormitory, in a girl's dorm. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> in uh, Northern uh, Illinois University back in the 70s. And it was the Jimi Hendrix, Hendrix, excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> instead, of, instead of, excuse me while I kiss the sky. Yes. And I thought, how appropriate for a girl's dorm. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, that is cute. All right, I'm going to finish with a quote that goes out to... You, Bob. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. It's by a fellow called Lou Lair. He said, never brag about your ancestors coming over on the Mayflower. (laughs) The immigration laws weren't as strict in those days. (laughs) That's true. There were no immigration laws on the Mayflower. All right. Is that it? It is. Okay. I think that's it for today. We've covered a lot of ground. Hauntings. Artists who didn't have a model and used their own face. (laughs) And then songs whose lyrics got totally mixed up in people's minds. Yeah, that was good. And twins who married only women with the same name. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. You've been listening to The The Off-Ramp. 
The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.